Hello and welcome back to another episode of International Immersion, a podcast where we seek to explore different ideas, cultures, peoples, and events. So today, given the circumstances happening around the world with the coronavirus or COVID-19, I thought it would be an interesting idea to talk with some members of my immediate family about how this has affected them and from that how the effects are both similar and different, plus I think this is a good addition to discussing how this has affected me individually, but I think it's more important to see how your family and those around you are affected and see what similarities and differences there are. So without further ado, um, I'd like to introduce some people on this podcast. So, Hi, this is Whitney. I am Sean's aunt, his favorite aunt. Doug? Hi, I'm Doug Sin, and I'm the boss man. <laughs> We're being serious, Sin. This is that uh, I'm Jerry Mockler, and I'm Sean's grandmother. All right. Well, guys, it's great to have you on here today. So to begin with, let's just kind of briefly talk about how individually this has affected you and some basic information about what you think, you know, how, how has it affected you, to what extent, and whether it's a really that big of a deal for you or not. So, so uh, Jerry, if you want to start, how about, you, how about you go first? Well, how it affects me is, personally, I'm frightened. I'm in that, that age group that, uh, that isn't very good for me. And I'm afraid for my children. And I'm afraid for my mother who's in a nursing home. Okay, so you're you're personally afraid and you're worried about your family, which I am too. But also, you know, given your age group, that is also a factor as well. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. No, I think, no, I think that you may bring up a great point. A lot of senior citizens and people who have, you know, current health conditions or pre-existing conditions. Um, I know like with you with your asthma, that's a big concern. And that's why I think it's been very smart of you not to go out or do any running around unless you absolutely have to. So no, I completely agree. And, and Wendy, how about yourself? Well, I find it a challenge working because you're working from home. You don't have a printer, you don't have a scanner, you don't have the interaction with your fellow teammates. So to try and get a project done has been a very, very challenging task. As a matter of fact, you don't get things done. You don't, you can't get your hands on things that you need in order to get your job done. And then, you know, you, let's say you go out to go grocery shopping or do something and people aren't, doing the social distancing. I was at, I was at a store the other day and there, they have it taped out six feet. And the guy behind me was not even paying attention to that. He was so close to me that I had to like turn around and give him a look like stop. He had no mask, no gloves. He was on the phone and he was almost ramming his cart into the back of me. Yeah, but I think Jesus is going to save him. Mom. Somebody asked. Mother. 
And Uncle Doug, how about you? what about you? Well, let me just say this, that it really, you know, I don't mind working at home. It's, it's, it's okay. Um, I, I miss sports, and I miss golf, and I miss oh. fishing, and I miss that. Other mm-hmm. than that, I'm, I, I, I get to be around my wife more, which is good. Don't gag me. Which is good. I get to work outside, which is good. However, I miss playing golf. Again, social interaction. It is a social interaction that I think most people are missing. Because aren't we all like social creatures? Yeah, humans are social creatures. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Golf has got nothing to do with society. Yeah, and nothing to do with being social. No. I miss seeing my mother and visiting personally with my mother. And because she's in a nursing home, she's quarantined and nobody can go. And it's pretty sad. It's upsetting. No, I completely agree. And I think it's affecting us differently based on, you know, our living circumstances. Because like, you know, myself and you, Jerry, we live alone, whereas Wendy and Doug, they live together. So that definitely can affect the dynamic of being stuck at home or, you know, being at home for a prolonged period of time. So I definitely... You don't have to be stuck at home. You can walk, take a walk outside. You can walk around, keep your social distance. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you can do a lot of that. And that's very, that's very true. We're not like in a tight quarantine where we can leave, where we can't leave our houses here, say... But most of the time, we are spending time in our household, and we are going out. Like you know, I go jogging, I go out for a run, or just go for a drive to get out of the house. But we're still more isolated and much more isolated than normal, either individually if you live alone, or you know, like you two means at home. But I think overall that everyone is being affected differently, and I think some people they're adapting well, and others are not adapting nearly as well. I mean, I know every couple days I have to get out of the house. I, I have to go. Like, it's a must because it's like... I, I agree. I agree. Just jump in the car and just go just go for a ride around town and then come back. And well, then it's like... But I haven't been that good. I've been, like, going... I went flower shopping yesterday. I mean, I went to a nursery and I went to Home Depot and... I'm not being as self-quarantined as I should, and I—it's not good. But it's no, like, it's not. It's not. It's, it's not. It's that it's, being held back and not being able to have your life—that's very hard because it's spring, right? And you want to get out, you want to get your yard going, you want to get things done, and it's like I feel like someone else has held back my life. It's not me holding back my life. It's the it's, invisible enemy. Well, but it, it's it's frustrating that something else has You're this much war. control over your life. I, I mean, it's not like I went out and intentionally brought the coronavirus here. It came to us. Yeah, you but, know? you know, one of the good things is that if we weren't doing what we're doing now... We wouldn't be getting 24 uncooked crab cakes delivered tomorrow. 
as you all can see, family is always fun and we always have an interesting time when we're together. <laughs> well, that makes it more interesting and always fun. But, uh, no, but yeah. You know, this has been thrown on us. We have been, this has been thrown in our faces, in our lives. And it's like, it's hard to, to deal with it. It's like, I, how dare you do this to my life when I'm used to being an American citizen and run around doing whatever, whatever I want to do, whenever I want to do but it. But you're doing, you're doing it on your, your own. I mean, if you didn't want to do it, you could go out and go get, do whatever you want. It's, it's not a mandatory stay at home. It's a stay at home. And I think the, I think the big, Michigan, the important Michigan thing is Michigan is like overreacting. Protests and well, no, not the protests, but the the governor of Michigan has has totally told you can't even go fishing. And how's fishing going to keep you from anything? I mean, fishing. fishing. It's fishing. You can't if you go to the store, you can't buy grass seed. You can't buy uh, corn and plant it in your garden. That's ridiculous. Well, I think one thing is like one of my good friends, he works at Lowe's and, you know, they've you know been telling customers, you know, if you need something for your house or you need essential materials for something, you know, please come in and, and get them. But don't just come in to browse for the sake of browsing because it's a it's a hazard. And they've posted signs and other, you know, things to tell customers this. But every day he encounters people who just come there, walk around and do nothing. And he's kind of like people, people, I know you want to get out of the house, but if you don't maybe go do this in a park or something somewhere where you're not in an enclosed area. So, and back to your point, Uncle Doug, about kind of the how strict it is versus how not strict it is. I think that everyone kind of is basing that on their own dis- decision and their own discretion. But yeah, I also... Really a state thing. And the, some of these governors are like overreacting to to some of the things that are going on. Like you look at, you look at Michigan and what they did and then now you you look at South Dakota, what she didn't do, and then you look at Alaska, what they did, and they're going to open up their economy. Alaska's going to open up their economy. Yes, they are. Well, that's <laughs> that's another interesting thing is to seeing the differences between the states and how they're reacting or not reacting, where you have like almost total a total lack of action versus a lot of action, like Illinois. Illinois was one of the first states that actually put the stay-at-home order into effect, whereas Missouri just happened very recently. So right. I think I mean, that it's a, there needs to be a balance. And, and what the problem with Illinois is Chicago. Chicago is where all your people are sick and all your people are dying. They're not dying in central Illinois. Probably not even – you might have a few in Edwardsville, but that's pretty much Chicago. And well, that's because – it's almost like a New York. Yeah, well, as of, as of a week ago, the, the number in our county was about 47 infected, but I'm sure the number has risen since last Friday. But, you know, but no, you're right. Most of the cases are in Chicago because that's well, the most densely populated part of the state. I note about how many people are infected. We don't really know because there isn't enough testing going on. And if you're going to open up your state, by God, you better know who is sick and who isn't. Because you're going to start this all over again, and you're going that to kill that, more of our citizens. It's all phase one, and Donald Trump's plan—it's all phase one. 
that you can open up, but you have to be able to determine who's sick and who isn't, and if they are sick, what do you do? But doesn't that go back to everybody having the tests? I mean, it does. It does. But I mean, you've got to have 350 million tests. Now, what are you going to get? Don't be a little dramatic. No, no. You have it's to do the state, but if you're going to say that we're going to open up a state, then you guys have, they have to start by counties. They should probably start with the least affected counties. Start small, go big. I, I don't know. It's it still comes. I down. think it's a real. It's a gamble. If you don't, if you just open it up and people start congregating, and it's going to happen all over again. It's, it's going to. But that's what has happened. When it's they not happening. Well, I mean, one good example is in Seattle. Like, my good friend Eric, he lives in Seattle. One thing of, of getting the economy back. Sean just started talking. And my one friend is in Seattle, and he said that that was working pretty well until they had a good weekend about a month ago, and everyone disregarded the, or, disregarded the rules and regulations. They went out, mingled, and that's when it really blew up in Seattle. I mean, give or yeah. take, give or take a week or so of, you know, et cetera. But I do think that, you, there needs to be a balance. Like, yeah, if the appropriate protocols and information is in place, you can start to open up and do things in incrementally. But if you still don't have a complete grasp of what's going on, then I think the, the safe bet is to have a stay-at-home order. People can still go out and do essential things, but they just they should be you know take precautions. You know, gloves, hand sanitizer, mask, etc. So I think it's all it's it's like you know all things in moderation. Just keep you know have a balanced approach and holistic approach. I think the problem is, is there are too many people that don't follow the rules and they're the ones that are making it unsafe for other people. No, I completely agree. I think that one, one part of this is the kind of the lack of a coherent response across you know all the states, but the other problem is people yeah. not following the rules and are not following the precautions that have proven to, sh to slow this virus down. And, you know, for, you know, for, for, you know, for our family, I know we've been pretty good at this and thank God that we've not had any issues thus far because we're still doing what we can to stay safe. But I've heard horror stories about people who don't. And, you know, it, at the end of the day, it's just, you know, I think a lot of people think this is kind of treading on their freedom and freedom of what they can and can't do, which, yeah, it, it is, but you have to understand that it's not like, you know, it's, this is not a human-based threat. This is a, this is a virus. It's a biological threat or, you know, it's a pathogen and you have to understand, okay, maybe I, in order to resolve this, perhaps I should just reduce what I normally do and don't look at it as, it's eroding my freedoms and everything. But there, that's a fine line because you can argue both sides of the coin, and that's a slippery slope as well. Well, I'm going to argue the coin here. Um, how did, I mean, are we going to say how the virus got started? Are you going to say it was from exotic animals? No. We know what started this. We know how it started and where it started. There's the frustration. Yeah, and the sad thing is that there's a lot of people who are even debating that. There's so much debate going on at so many different levels, not just in the U.S., but around the world. And that is further admiring the situation. And, you know, I don't want to really get into any politics you know, on this podcast, but that is a big factor between countries, between states, between groups, between parties. Those are all things that you're seeing being manifested right now, and, and that's influencing the response time, the actions, and 
Unfortunately, that's contributing to the death toll globally, and especially here in the U.S. lately. So, it's not one one group or individual's fault here. Say it's kind of. I think the main thing is it's showing that there needs to be more collaboration and more cooperation. I agree. I agree with that. I mean, it's it's too late now. The cat is out of the bag. You got to go forward, and you got to deal with what's going on now. And putting the blame on somebody, let's. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know that that's doing people any good. Exactly. Everyone is is throwing is playing playing the blame game. Well, okay, we can blame, but how about we actually have some you know objective criticism and actually figure out how to resolve it. You know, it's we can't stop it. What's happened's happened. It's in the past. We can't change it. Let's all focus on a solution to this problem. Right. I think Governor Cuomo is doing one heck of a job. He, he has, and his brother had coronavirus, and he survived it. What I think is sad is that these cities have to uh, bid for their personal safety devices, and there aren't enough masks. What What is going on in this country? I never thought I'd see this, ever. That we would always be prepared. You expect the United States of America to know that they're going to need 30 million N95 masks. That are only 95% effective. Though nobody knew that. How did how did anybody know that they're going to need more than 40,000 ventilators? Nobody knew that. Nobody. No, I think you both have point. You both have good points. You know, it's like there could have been more, you know, there could have been more preparation, but at the same time, there's no way to know the scale of how this will happen because, you know, there was, there have been, you know, like, you know, there's been AIDS, there's been SARS, there's been MERS, there's been other, you know, and then just the flu. There's been many other pathogens that have manifested, but nothing like this since I would say the Spanish flu of 1918 and 1919 in terms of its, you know, you know, ferocity. That's and worse. then there was, there was polio. Oh, before the, yeah, that is true. Polio. polio. Polio was something, but it didn't affect hundreds of thousands of people. I thought that, polio did affect that many. I thought polio was. was a I know Roosevelt had it, but other than that, I mean, polio was a scourge for a long time. But I think the one thing is that makes this that much more you know terrifying is just the rate at which it spreads. You know, thank yeah. God it's not yes. as. It does not have the same mortality rate as many other diseases like Ebola yeah, or MERS. Just like that, you know, we know that that flu kills about a hundred thousand people. Just regular flu, a hundred thousand plus every year. We know that, and we don't even know how many people actually have the flu and don't die from it. No, we you have that, stats. We're studying this this virus more than any virus we've ever had because oh, this virus. The basic problem with this virus is it's deadly. Yeah. This one here, if you get it and you're not taken care of, you're dead. Well, and that's how old you are. It doesn't matter how young you are. It doesn't matter. It matter. It does matter your health. Where you, if you're in good health, you're going to be. You're not going to be fine, but you'll probably come through. Yeah, and that's the one benefit or at least one positive aspect is that most people who do get it will survive but depending on a wide range of factors you know sometimes it will you know a lot of people who are in good shape they do perish from it but others others don't so i think it's because it's 
I think because it's new, it's unknown, and there's so many X factors, that's what's you know, really causing the panic. I mean, the flu, it's insidious, it's bad, it kills a lot of people, but it's a known enemy and people you know, are used to the idea of the flu. Whereas this, this just came out of the blue. We have a we have a flu vaccine. We never get the flu shot at the beginning of the season. There is nothing for this. Yeah, and that and that is this. And I think that plays a lot into the pandemonium and the uncertainty and the anxiety people are facing. All these factors are are at play. So, I completely agree. Yeah. The anxiety for me is that we have a president who says one thing one day and says something different another day. I thought uh, we were in politics. Because if you want to talk about politics, let's talk about Nancy Pelosi. Well, yeah, I mean, we can get into politics, but that could be a good good uh, topic for another podcast. I want to stay focused more on the actual virus itself, but okay. you know, there's definitely right. a lot of a lot and of political Jerry, aspects that are affecting this. I totally agree with both of you. Nancy Pelosi and Shermer. Okay, so <laughs> I work with a lady whose best friend is a medical doctor. She intubates people. That is her job. She's an MD. She had to take a 30% cut in pay and has contracted the coronavirus. So they say, because she has lost her sense of smell and her sense of taste. But they won't test her because she has the symptoms. Does that make sense? No, that doesn't make sense. So she's been, she has to leave work for two weeks, take the 30% cut in pay, and she potentially has the coronavirus, and they don't know if her sense of smell, her sense of taste is going to. I thought that was considered one of the the signs now. It, yeah, there's well, so many there's so many variables. Uh, everybody's affected. Like you listen to Rand Paul. He oh dear God! Had it. He had it, but he had no symptoms. You li- you talk to another person, they get it, and they they got to go be put into a coma and given a, uh, an, uh, a ventilator and they're on death's doorstep and then all of a sudden they, they survive. But, I mean, you're taking the, what I was saying is you have a medical, someone in the medical profession and they are trying to save these people and she was saying that she's not allowed proper masks. She said she's out in the hallway and there's someone gasping for air and she has to hurry up and suit up to go in and try to save somebody's life. Wow. And on a professional level, she, it's very difficult because your your job is to save somebody's life, and you you're trying to you know you're trying to keep yourself safe, and you're not even given the equipment to keep yourself safe. But they, Yet, but they, they want they want her. But she but they're they not right. But her point is is we're on the front lines trying to save people's lives. They're heroes. And we aren't even, we're getting our pay cut, but yet we're not given the PPEs that are required to do our jobs. And that's scary because the poor woman is in there. I mean, she's tubing these people. Of course, she's in their face. She's going to get sick. But yet they don't give her but the problem. They, they may not have the stuff. I mean, no, the, the whole, no, just, no country was was prepared for this type of virus. Right. No. And this person is in Pennsylvania. And this could be, this could be when we come out of this, the new normal, as they say, 
that we will be prepared for something like this again because it's going to happen again in the future it will happen again maybe not in Every my lifetime maybe in sean's lifetime it might happen again no, well, history has shown that these things will never go away. It's just ma- it's not a matter of if, it's when. Like you know, the la- like, I, like I said, the last equivalent in terms of I think of of its spreading was the Spanish flu, and that was a century, a little more than a century ago. Yep. So, the this could be like a once in a century, once in half a century. But you know, I think the last big crisis was AIDS back in the late seventies and eighties. But that's still different than this because AIDS Eddie, did not spread uh, like this. The other thing, Ebola. There was SARS. There was SARS. SARS. Yeah. And that's the thing. I think because we've had a string of situations that have been bad, but they've always been contained. They've not grown out of proportion. Oh, okay, these things happen. They'll get taken care of. This one slipped the net, and now we're seeing what happens. So I think it's very important that the international community realizes that they need to have at least somewhere stored safe and sound a reaction plan and they cannot forget the lessons that they're suffering from this now so i think that's you know as they say those who do not learn history are doomed to repeat it so you know i think it's just very important that we take all the mental notes from this save them and make sure we preserve them so in case this does happen again and when it does happen again god knows what it will be we have at least something to take it on in some way shape or form I mean, we have we have very smart scientists. They're working on a vaccine or a flu shot, or maybe it'll be called a coronavirus shot. It, it's going to happen. I mean, it will happen, and we will have this available to anybody who wants it, just like we do now for the regular flu. Every year you get a flu shot. So yeah. now you're going to get a flu shot and a coronavirus. You have, to, you have to wonder how is this going to mutate? How is this virus going well, to mutate into something? Well, that's, I mean, that's another story. Well, that's, yeah, mutates. that's why the virus mutates. Yeah. I know what I'm saying. It's scary to think of. Just like when you spray ants with, with bug spray, you kill them all except for one, and he mutates, and then he becomes a super ant, and you can't kill him. And that's the thing about viruses that is quite, you know, is quite, you know, horrifying is the fact that the rate in which they mutate and adapt. So, you know, even with the flu shot, they have to constantly update that every year to deal with the new strains of flu. So it's something that people have to understand is not a one-off. It's you ha- it's every year, every season, or whatever the lifespan of the pathogen you're dealing with, you have to keep track with its, you know, with its, with the, its um, mutation and the changes within its genetic, genetic structure. So... Very good. All right. So now we've talked a little bit about this. So what about uh, – let's move on and talk about what do you think uh, will happen or what What are your thoughts, predictions in the next few months or the foreseeable future with this? And Jerry, how about we start with you? Well, if we don't get enough tests, as I said a little bit ago, if we start going out, it's going to come back. And until they can test us and get a serum to uh, to protect us, it's going to be a real crapshoot. I don't know that I feel safe going out without a mask in uh, gloves, and I and I can't see this changing. I think this will still be going on this summer. Okay, and Wendy, what about you? 
mom that this will still be going on in the summer. Um, I, I will still be wearing my mask and my gloves and I'll still be keeping my social distance. Even when they tell me I don't have to, I still think I'm going to be one of those people out there with her glove, gloves and, and mask on just out of sheer fear because people are going to start congregating and I, yeah, I think it's going to just, they're going to have another wave of it. And it, and they, we know what's going to happen because didn't it happen with the Spanish flu? Because didn't it kind of die down? It died and, out, but it came back in the winter, it, but then they controlled it. Yeah. So, and, and then what, so normal life i mean this is going to become our new normal is social distancing only 20 of us in the grocery store at at a time maybe six of us i mean you i mean what about when we go back to work i mean are you how are you going to social distance at work you can't yeah i know that yeah that's a good point because i know like where, where i work before this really hit hit we started like rotating in and out of the office so only one person in our department would be in the office then everyone would work at home and then they would rotate to so me once or twice a week you'd be in the office but now at since it got worse as of the 20th of march in illinois we all started working from home you know regardless you know of what our jobs and, and what we had to do now that's the the Illinois stay at home order is supposed to end on April thirtieth, but I'm sure they're going to extend it longer because there's been notes and information that, that's being you know sent out that is kind of highlighting this or hinting this. Yeah, and Uncle D- Uncle Doug, what about you? What what are your thoughts you know, expectations? I have a little more rosier opinion about all this, and it, it, within about two weeks or so, I think there's going to be more and more testing. It's all we're producing it. Don't be shaking your head, Jerry. That is not nice. I listen to you. Now you have to listen to me. That's a Democrat vote. Hey, you, you married one. So, Our family, you gotta love them, right? Finish your thought. Excuse me. I said, come on, finish your thought. I'm gonna walk out of here. <laughs> Uh, Uncle Doug, he never ceased to amaze. <laughs> All right, so Doug, you said there's going to be testing. There's going, it's going to be available. There will be more and more testing done, and it will be, it'll be, it'll be all good. The states will be testing their people. They will open up their states as they feel is appropriate, and if it doesn't, they'll close it back down. They will not allow the health thing to become the big issue that it is right now. There are states now that can be, they can open up probably tomorrow because they don't have issues and they have testing and they have the hospital space to take care of the people. You look at New York, they wanted all this beds, all this equipment, the ventilators, they didn't need it. They did need masks. They didn't need gloves. They didn't need gowns. That's all going to get supplied. There's not going to be a shortage of that. Doug, wait a minute. In the beginning, in the beginning, there was a shortage. And I'm not going to argue that point. There was, but there won't be in the future. And as we are moving to the future, we are not going backwards. We're going to the future. In the future, we will have everything that we need 
to allow the country to get back to normal or new normal or whatever you want to call it, it's going to happen. And within a year, I'm going to say maybe less than a year, we're going to have like a, a shot that everybody can have and you're going to be, it's not going to be an issue. We have the smartest scientists. I hope you're right. I hope you're right. I work keep their equipment going. I work for these people. They are very smart. They don't have any common sense, but they're hell of a, they're smart. Like the woman in her chair. And they will they will find a solution. And we will be able to go to a bar with fifty people in it and have a beer. Or we will be able to go to a sporting event and watch a football game or a baseball game or a soccer game. It is going to happen. No, the, I think you're. I think you're right, and you know, I I think it's just a matter of how long. The the question is not. It's not if. It's just when. And, you know, and we have a lot of good minds, a lot of good scientists, organizations, <laughs> and not just in the U.S. but around the world that are that are tackling this. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a year before probably end of the year. It's going to be towards the end of the year. They're going to have. They're going to have like a regular old coronavirus shot. It's going to happen by the end of the year. Now, are we going to have to stay home for a whole nother year? No. We're going to be able to go out. You may not, you may want to be cautious about how you participate. You may not even want to shake somebody's hand anymore. I mean, that's very possible. Shaking hands has never been a clean thing to do. It's always been transferring germs no matter what. No, that, that's a very good point. And I do think that, you know, you know, I don't think the stay-at-home orders or whatever you want, whatever you want to call or whatever is being put in place will will continue for you know a huge period of time. But I do think that people should stay cautious even after this is after this has you know initially passed, as you were saying, Jerry, because the risk of re, of a relapse is still high, and this think these things have to work that work their way through the planet, you know, bit by bit. You know, China hit, got hit. Then you had other countries were getting hit. So it's going to work its way through. And what sometimes happens is once it's gone through one area, it's been long enough, it can actually come back. So I think that the global community has to be proactive and work together to try to get this thing to phase itself out. Because that's the one plus with the virus is that they do, fa- they do work themselves out of existence because just of the, by nature of their, of their reproductive cycle and how they spread. Globally, everybody has to work together, and there's a catch right there. Exactly, and the political divisions and all the other aspects of you know internal dynamics, country country, you know, you know, power politics, all these other things will play play into this. And I would say a lot of it is positive, but there's also a lot of negatives with that. Right. I mean, you're always going to have these countries that are going to be doing stuff. There's no regulation that they put out there, and I'm not going to say it happened in their lab, but I am going to say that it's very possible it did happen. And they they were slack. One guy got infected and infected the entire world. So there you have it. So how do you? How, but you can't police every country in the world. No, you know, and, and you know, even with organizations like the United Nations, the World Health Organization. They don't have the power or the abilities to do that. And, you know, they're, and like you're saying, that is one possibility of where this virus came from. You know, it's, 
is possible, you know, but I still think it will be some time before we can, you know, pinpoint without, you know, reason of a doubt where this actually came from, you know, or how it got in the mainstream population and spread from there. You know, we know, we know what we know thus far with the information that's been released, but I think it'll be very interesting once they do pinpoint a source for this virus. That will be very interesting to see once they do have a pretty good idea about it. I don't know how true it is about all the scientists in China that they they got, they got arrested and nobody ever heard from them again. I don't know if that's all true or not, but I would believe it if they said it happened. Because I mean, the Chinese government isn't going to allow itself to be put into a position to where they're going to look like... Uh, well, I mean, well, and Uncle Doug, you do have a good, you do have a good point. You know, you know, having lived in China myself for several years, and you know, living in that society, you know, that you know, we have to separate the government from the people, as with any country. But that is the one thing the Chinese government cares about more than almost anything else is its image. So anything that will damage its image or lower their prestige, that would be something that I would not fully expect them to be upfront about just because of that. I'm not saying they won't be, but that is a, you know, because they care about that, they don't want to tarnish that, and that is something they maintain very vigorously. Right, and, and the second problem is they're the second largest economy in the world, and nobody's going to go up against them, no matter what. Even the United States has to back off because, I mean, they're, they're talking about serums that they have now to help people. And guess where all those little chemicals to make these serums are coming from? Guess where? China. Exactly. So how are you going to hold China accountable for everything they do? Because all China's got to say is we're not going to sell you the chemicals. But China would never do that because you don't know. You don't know that. There is a certain level of interdependence. I agree with Wendy. I don't think China's going to cut off their nose to spite their face. They need the money. They do. I mean, they don't need money. I mean, they need to be on everybody's good side. They need to be on Russia's good side, our good side, the UK's good side. I don't like. No, I. No, I, I, no, I think all of you have good points on that, and I think it's just a matter of how how much in each category you know that will be done. I mean, this you know this this virus has shown the pitfalls every country is having right now in, in their response time and everything. You know, in a nutshell, you know, China has been pretty proactive in trying to reduce it. Their initial response time was, and their initial response was quite negative, trying to cover it up, which I think really has, you know, exacerbated this. But their follow-up was a little better, but it still doesn't hide the fact they tried to cover it up. That's just, that's common knowledge. Whereas in the U.S., I mean, you know, in retrospect, we can always say, oh, we should have done this, we should have done that. But I do think that there could have been at least some more preparation made while it was blowing up in China, you know, just to prep. Because, you know, as they say, better safe than sorry. So I'm not one I don't want to pinpoint. We knew about this in January. I heard November. We... We didn't yeah. know exactly in November because the World Health Organization was saying, oh, it's not transmitted human to human, and they kept doing that. And when we did know it in January, we closed any travel from China to the United States in the end of January. And I thought that was appropriate, yet a lot of people didn't think that. 
No, there's always going to be people who agree agree or disagree on every on any decision. That's that's common. Oh, that's true. I agree. Oh yeah. No, I thought that was the appropriate thing was to stop the travel. And then you let it. It didn't make seem to make any difference because we have over twenty seven thousand people dead in our country. Yes, we do. I don't know what the numbers are today, but that's twenty seven thousand people that didn't need to die. No, I totally agree. You know, I, you know, and I think the most important thing is that we learn from this. We have to learn from this. And then, you know, and I think ordinary Americans have to, you know, look at this and say, you know, okay, you know, this does require me to change my habits, maybe not full, you know, indefinitely, but just temporarily for the sake of myself and those around me. But I think some people, like we mentioned, can, are easy, are more readily able to do that but others aren't and then misinformation or not getting all the information or all the facts that per, that really causes this to you know be worse than it is because you know people are all going to base their decisions and judgments from what they know or, and then what they don't know or and then misinformation you mix all together it, it can create a lot of turmoil as we're seeing now with protests with you know one side accusing the other vice versa and it's really sad because at the end of the day, we just need to say, okay, we're in a crisis right now. Let's not, let's not cut each other's throats. Let's work together. Well, I was at Whole Foods uh, last weekend, right? And we are in line. We're all taking our turns. And the woman gets up to the counter and goes off on the guy behind the counter because he didn't have beef tender roll. I mean, it's like, lady... Okay, they don't have beef tenderloin, but we are in the midst of a crisis. And she pulls her mask off her face, and she starts screaming, not screaming, but just starts getting really irate with the guy behind the counter. And it's like, I'm sorry if you're not going to have your beef tenderloin for your Easter dinner, but go grab a ham. I mean, we're in the middle of a crisis here, and it's not the man behind the counter's fault. It's not the man behind the counter. It's not his fault. No, of course not. And I think that really does show, you know, a lot of people's mentalities or their thoughts behind this. They, you know, I think, you know, in her case, I think that she thinks it's affecting her life, but she's not thinking on a bigger scale. And I think that's a, a problem with a lot of people. They don't think, you know, on, a, on the bigger scale. Well, yeah. I think she was having an Easter gathering, it sounded like. Why are you having an Easter gathering? No, you shouldn't be having people over to your house. You shouldn't have anybody to your home. I mean, did we have Easter dinner? No. No, we weren't. We're smart. We realized that we should not have a family gathering, that to keep our family safe and sound, we have to keep our distance. As much as it stinks. No, it, it, no it's, it, it really does stink. I could have ate upstairs. You could have been in the front bedroom. I was listening to one show, or it was either on uh, public radio or it was public television, and they were saying you should treat this when you go out like you already have it, and you need to protect the public against you. Yeah. Be considerate of other people. You are not the only damn person on the planet. No. You're not allowed to cuss in this podcast. Not it's, smart. it's like you're a, nobody else is cussing. You're the only one cussing. It's like the narcissism in people is 
This is shiny. I mean, it's like it's not about you as a person. It's about the other person. I mean, you need to be socially responsible and respect people. Well, and yeah, I don't feel like that's happening. Well, that's because everybody's an individual, and you're going to make up their own mind what they feel they want to do, whether it's right or wrong. It's just like we have laws. And are they followed by everybody? No, absolutely not. People break into houses, shoot people. We still have murders going on oh. around here, so it does. It, it's not like it deters anything. Have you people noticed just, that on the news? That they're not. You know how you're in St. Louis? Oh, I know. I know. I mean, you're right. You may be hearing about a onesie twosie a night when you know darn good well there's more going on, but they have been. But the news did say the other day that crime is down. It's still happening, but it's down. And what is happening more is domestic violence. Oh, yeah, because, yeah, that's the scary thing. And that's a very good point you bring up because, like, you know, there was a study that was done in China. Like, since this began and their quarantine began, the divorce rates in China have shot up. I don't have the specific numbers, but I know the divorce rate has shot up in this year. I didn't realize that divorce was a big thing in China. It, it, it's not as big as in the U.S. I mean, a lot of people, you can debate this all day, but the divorce rate has shot up in China since the quarantine started. It ha- so that does sh- indicate an interesting trend there. And I also think that that will also be mirrored here in the U.S. to an extent because, you know, People, you know, couples, you know, for an example, you know, they could be spending more time than they normally they normally do, you know, and who knows what that will 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 cause or generate. I mean, you know, hypothetically speaking. Well, yeah, I mean, you're like constantly in each other's face. Right. I wanted to know. I thought it was interesting the uptick on the sale of guns since this started. And alcohol, by the way, alcohol sales have skyrocketed. Yeah, the mar- they're saying that you know the market's <laughs> down on so many products, but not on the manufacturers of uh, weapons, especially handguns. Well, I think people were afraid that this was going to become, I mean, you know, like there was going to be total anarchy, you know, like people fighting over toilet paper. I mean, I really thought people. It's. They thought it was going to be anarchy. That people were going to head to the streets and start rioting and fighting and fight over food and and other goods. You know what, Wendy? Though there are days when I think I have to stop thinking along those lines because it could go that way. If this got really horrible, horrible, it could it could happen. Yeah, I think we're seeing. Uh, I think we're seeing. Ahead, so, you know, society, the fabric of society has been strained, but it's not snapped. I mean, if this was something like Ebola or something where it, it was like wiping out places left and right, that would be, I think, a you know, a precursor for that. But I don't think we've got to that point yet, and I hope to God we don't. No, I, no, no. I, I, no. I, I don't think we've gotten to that point at all. But if things really go south i i'm frightened about what could happen i mean i know what it's just scared all the time 
And I know we've had protests, but that's in Michigan and that was over that. But I, I mean, after being out in, in the grocery shops and going out, I mean, a lot of pe- people are taking this very well. I mean, I would say the majority of people have gloves on, have masks on, and they are respecting the social distance. And I mean, even if you're walking up to a counter, you know, like those, uh, the frozen food section at the grocery store, do, what is he putting up over my head? Oh, God bless America. What does it say? I am not repeating it. I'm not repeating it. Yeah. (laughs) Well, you guys, you never cease to amaze to make make a podcast that much more interesting. I will say that. Oh, God help us. All right, you guys. So we're wrapping up on time here. So so I would say before we sign off – would there is there any ideas, thoughts, or suggestions you have, you know, that you think would be good to help resolve this or, you know, help people pass get through this period of time? Besides I what you've already said. Just be be respectful of your fellow citizen. Just if you don't respect the other guy, then people are it's just all gonna fall apart. I to, I completely agree. And Wendy? I agree with mom. I mean, you do need to be respectful. And, you know, if nothing, take care of yourself and your family. I mean, if you don't care about anybody else, and you don't, and a lot of people don't care about anybody else, care about you and your family. And just try to be respectful of other people. I know it's not going to happen. You're going to have your, do not put that Trump for president thing <laughs> over my head again. He just yeah. tries to get that show. And Uncle Doug, what about you? Any <laughs> any thoughts or ideas for, you know, people that you think would help? You need to put an E on that, Mom. Yeah. That's me. That's me. No, that's you. That's me. You over here. Dear God, children, what are you doing over there? Alrighty guys, let's keep this a little more formal now. Come on now. <laughs> So, Uncle Doug, like I said, was there anything that any thoughts or ideas that you think people should do to, you know, help them get through this? I will be more than glad to share my summary. My summary is this: we are we were nobody was prepared for what we have going on right now, and I agree we have to be socially responsible for what we do moving forward. However, we should not be afraid to do to to continue our lives. Let's put it that way. Our lives are good. We are we live in the brightest, the best country in the world. And we will get through it together. All right, guys, let's get we're getting a little too political here. So but I think we've all had a pretty good, uh, you know, explanation and discussion of this. So, yeah, so, um, you know, you know, you know, did you see that? Did, did you let me just close with this? Did you see the the uh, the uh, 
the, the information that came out about when Obama um, um, backed up uh, Joe Biden for president, you know, Obama said to Joe, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm backing you up for president. And, and Joe Biden says, for what? All right, all right. Let's not get too political on this. This is not a political podcast, guys. <laughs> yeah, but that's so, a large boy. He's, yeah. he's a nut. So, so anyway, so do you guys have any like final thoughts or suggestions that you think you know people should know about, or you know, like as us as a family, we've been very lucky through this, and we've been, I think, pretty proactive and you know smart in our approach to dealing with this but you know i know that's not always going to be the same across every family or across the world right now because your cousin kelly she's a hairdresser she does not get to work and she has three kids i don't know if she did if my brother and my sister-in-law weren't helping her where would kelly be with those children no you're right because on yeah unemployment and I don't even know if Kelly is going to get unemployment uh, because I think she's an independent contractor at the salon that she was working. Oh, no, she can. They passed the law saying that she can get unemployment. It's already well, been there. I, I hope, and I hope it's enough to keep her and her family going. She did say that she filed her taxes super early and she had gotten her tax return. And she said if it wouldn't have been for the tax return, she doesn't know what she'd be doing. And, and I'm going to be, I, you know, I hate to be negative and real bad about this, but to raise three kids, she needs to be more than just a hairdresser. I'm sorry. But that's the truth. Well, I don't think she I, I don't think her, okay. So anyway, so we all have points of opinion on that and many other things, but we're running out, of time, running out of time for today. So, you know, I just wanted to thank you all for, you know, joining me on this podcast. And, you know, we definitely had some interesting discussions. And, you know, you know, family, it's always fun to see what they think and their personal opinions. Always colors the room a little brighter, as they say. <laughs> so, uh, you know, we'll be making more podcasts soon. And I just think right now, given the focus on COVID-19 or coronavirus, you know, we don't want to focus too much on it, but we do need to focus on it. And this is not just an international issue, but it's a it's you know a personal issue, family issue, community issue, city issue, all the way out, you know, to the to the global community. So that's why I think it's important we discuss this and you know delve into it in a further depth. Further depth. So I just want to thank you all for being on the podcast today, and hope to have everyone in the family back on it and have more people. And you know, with further ado. You know, if you have any last things to say to the audience, you know, you can say what you want to say. I hope everybody stays safe. Me too. And I love you both. And and with Wendy being a chaplain now, she should give us a blessing. I am not going to give you a blessing because I'm not officially the DAR chaplain. So. <laughs> All righty. You guys are great. So. God Thank bless you, Sean. All Thank right. you. So this is International Emergence signing off. Please leave us comments, suggestions, thoughts, or, or more topics you want us to discuss, and we'll see you on the next one.